If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, we interview one of our favorite people in this fitness space. In fact, we've learned from this guy when we were trainers, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Joe DeFranco. He's a world-renowned strength and conditioning coach. He's also the owner of DeFranco's Gym. Now, for the past two decades, athletes from across the world have hired Joe because of his remarkable ability to improve strength, power, speed, mobility, agility, and sports-specific endurance. This guy is the trainer of trainers. He's, He's one the of the real best. deal. Now, his training techniques have been featured all over the place. ESPN, Spike TV, the NFL Network, WWE Network, Men's Health Magazine, Men's Fitness Magazine, um, and more. He actually uh, was featured in a New York Times bestselling book, The 4-Hour Body. His resume of clients is massive, but it includes NFL players from all 32 teams, which is crazy, MLB and NBA players, WWE superstars, UFC fighters, Olympic athletes, and high school and college All-Americans. The best of the best. Uh, he's also a super cool guy. We love talking to this guy. He's a he's very humble, even though the guy, his knowledge is just uh, bar none some of the best in this industry. One of the things we like most about him is, is his, his ability to communicate what he knows. He's a very authentic, real person. This is our second interview with the guy. We love the first one so much. We invited them to come down, hold a certification here. He does have a certification that he takes trainers through. We think it's one of the best ones. Mm -hmm. And then we interviewed him again and had another phenomenal episode. We think you're going to enjoy this one uh, quite a bit. Now, you can find him on Instagram at DeFranco's Gym. Now, DeFranco is spelled D-E-F-R-A-N-C-O. His website is DeFranco'sTraining.com. He has a great podcast on fitness called The Industrial Strength Show. Um, and if you want to check out his certification, which we highly recommend, we think it's one of the best ones for personal trainers, go to cppscoaches.com for the certification. By the way, we have a coupon code for that. Use it, Mind Pump, and you can get 10% off. Now, before the episode starts, I want to let everybody know that one of our most popular workout programs, MAPS Aesthetic, is 50% off. Now, this is a bodybuilding, body sculpting based program. It's a complete program broken up into phases. It's about three months long. All the exercise demos are in there. We tell you how many sets and reps, of course, what to do, where to feel each exercise. It's exceptional for people who want to just change the way their body looks. That's why it's called aesthetic. Now, here's how you get the 50% off. Go to mapsblack.com and use the code BLACK50, B-L-A-C-K-5-0, no space, for the discount. Great certification class you guys had here uh, at the studio. Um, what did you call bad trainers? Slap dick trainers? Slap, Slap dick trainers. <laughs> we're, we're that everybody rolling for sure, dude. Yeah, that, that got a nice pop from the crowd yeah, right they there. They were ready for that. Yeah, yeah I, no, a little, little politically incorrect, but you got to you know, you keep it light, too. Oh, no, I oh, love yeah. it. It reminds me that the, Adam the other day did a very controversial post on Instagram and got probably the best insult. Because we get people come after us, yeah, not super often, but they will. 
That's and how you know you made it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And so some girl said he was a, called him a dick, but said you're not, a, but you're a soft dick. At first I didn't like you, but now I like you because right. that was like the best insult that yeah, I've had. It's, it's like, funny. Wow, Somebody it's insults you, but it's a good insult. You're like, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, All right. yeah. I was like, that stung a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> there are not too many people. You don't get too much of that though. You're, you're pretty, seem to be pretty liked. Uh, is it because you're so established now? Yeah. I used to get a lot more like way more and it's it's i'm almost it's nice but at the same time sometimes i'm i, I like question if i'm doing things right because i'm like wow i don't get as much hate as i used to <laughs> right. maybe i'm uh you know i don't know i'm doing something wrong or i'm getting soft speaking of soft uh <laughs> but yeah I, I i also i would like to think like the information i put out is genuinely trying to be helpful towards everyone you you might get that one or two topics that people disagree with like i think we spoke last time i was here like with some of the speed training stuff some of mm. the the heavy sled work and heavy strength work we do you might get some speed gurus and like purists that are that that disagree with the the methods and some of our programs but like for the most part it's not like the you suck you're a fraud you're a piece of shit anymore yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know a, a couple but but not as much as uh, as i used to get well the, the feedback cuz i came uh, you know I, I wasn't attending the, the the course but my my partner attended it we have a couple employees that attended it and then of course there were other mind pump listeners in here and the feedback i kept getting was just phenomenal um, and the main thing that i kept hearing about your course cuz i would ask them what's the difference like, you know, okay, I, you told me it's awesome, but what's the difference between this and the other certifications or courses that you've done? And they said that you guys are so much more like uh, working on how you can apply what you're learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, like you a know, lot less proven the theory of everything and more like, like the real meat of a lot of these like various theories out there and like really like you know, stacking them together in an applicable way. It really made a lot more logical sense. I think a lot of people get lost in just learning, you know, the, the overall science behind well, it. Well, a lot of certifications spend half their time trying to prove why their method or who they are is better than yes. everybody else, which yeah. that was what I felt like. And it's very black and white. It's, this is our method. It's different than others, but it's right. And if you don't believe us, you're wrong. You saw, you know, it's just, and I think that's what we appreciate the most is, uh, so like for this cert, we had close to 50 trainers there. And I believe, I, I don't know the exact number, but we asked how many had previous certifications and it was at least 40 of them mm -hmm. have at least another one or two certs. So it was a pretty good crowd that at least has uh, something to compare our certification to. And like every one of them to a man said that same thing, you know, there's, our in, we, there's a ton of information in our certification, like a lot. We go from 9 a.m. to 6.30 and, and we go hard. There's It's um, a lot of stuff that we cover, but it's all applicable. Like we've worked our ass off to really make it, uh, you know, everything's context based. Everything has like context behind it. It's not just this is our way yeah. and, and you have to do this way. Otherwise it's wrong. If a trainer raises their hand and says, well, I learned it this way at another cert, we'll explain why. Or we might say, oh, that would work for a client that is dealing with ABC. Like the context matters and, you know, individuals vary and that all needs to be accounted for. But unfortunately it's not with yeah. most certifications. No, I loved it because I, I noticed right away, like uh, what you 
you guys had been able to extract from other concepts out there. And really, I do the same thing when I'm sitting in a certification course. I'm like, which parts am I actually going to use? Yeah. And you guys literally like filtered that whole process uh, for everybody. It was great. Well, everybody that I talked to was were telling me how excited they were to actually get to work today. Yes, that's that, a big one it's too. Cool. It was cool to hear that. Like everyone was like, man, I can't wait to get to work on Monday or Tuesday and actually apply some of this stuff because they picked up that much good information that they could go apply to clients right away. Yeah, and that and that's what they what they would tell us is what they'd attend a cert, they would get new information, but it would almost confuse them because it was it contradicted maybe something else they had learned. And again, it was so just black and white. It's this way or the highway. And then they they're scared to go to work on Monday because now they're like, oh, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm a little bit confused. This guy says this, but they the new cert told me that where we we provide a system for everything. It is a true like uh, a syst systematic approach and, and templates for everything. But it's we we give the trainer and the coach some freedom to make it their own like like we we provide the system and we help organize their thoughts and make them feel way more confident going to work on monday but we also say, here's how you tweak the system. Here's the progressions and the regressions. And if you have a client that has been injured or if an athlete versus a mom or a dad, like all that is factored in uh, just because Smitty and I have a combined 50 years in this industry. We've worked with pretty much every type of client you could imagine. And, and we really extracted all the best stuff that we know the trainers are going to deal with. And, and that's what we that, present. That's over the, the biggest difference. That's the big difference right there because uh, there's a difference between knowledge and information and wisdom and wisdom really is the, uh, is the application of knowledge and experience. It's, it's yes. a combination of experience because one of my biggest criticisms of academia in the fitness space has always been that they, they, they don't have the experience of working with a lot of people because Anybody who tells you this, and I'll make this statement all day and I'll argue it all day long, any trainer or coach or you know, certification instructor that, uh, instructor that tells you our way is the best way and the only way, you know they completely lack yes. experience working with people because there's always uh, exceptions. Always. Um, and, and again, my biggest criticism has always been, great, I learned all this great information. I'm not a better trainer. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to apply it. And what I what I got from because I asked Jessica who you know she's been training for a little while and she's got a few certifications, she's like no I feel like I'm a better trainer after That's taking that awesome. course which I don't necessarily feel from other courses. It was great getting That's to, awesome to, to meet hear. Smitty too and like I I was talking to you earlier about that I'm like where have you been keeping this guy man like <laughs> I didn't even like I didn't know much about him and like his background and everything and he's just he's a brilliant brilliant guy man yeah he's been uh, I've I've known Smitty now for a long time like I was telling you I was a fan of his. He was a fan of mine, but we never met. You know, we're in the industry so long now. It was like the internet was – there There was no social media. So, you know, I kind of heard of him. Blog forums. That's it or yeah, it's like you, you see he might have – yeah, he might have started a blog. And he first he first started posting a lot of like strongman and, and odd object lifting. And I was working with a lot of football players and wrestlers at the time. So when I would research information on grip strength and hand strength because I was trying to – you know, I was always super like anal with my programming. I didn't want to leave any, you know, no stone left unturned type of thing. So I wanted to learn more about grip strength and that that type of um, 
strength for my wrestlers and football players and his stuff kept popping up. Uh, you know, he was a guy who was like ripping phone books and uh, decks of cards. We call him Smitty Two Decks because he could take two decks of uh Oh, I wish I knew this before when I met him. It. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got some odd, odd, uh, odd object lifting strength. And, but he's way more than that. But that's how I originally, uh, what I originally knew of him. And then he ended up at... I had a I had a seminar at my first gym that I opened right after I moved out of my storage closet, my original little 500 square foot facility when I moved into my first warehouse gym. He attended the certification and I was like, "Oh shit, that's the that's the Smitty Diesel guy, like that uh, the the grip guy." And then he was all excited that I knew who he was. He was like, "Man, I've been a fan of yours, you know, forever." And um he was like a fan of my dad's, so like my dad was at the seminar we met. And then like a week later, he hit me up and we did our first uh, project together, which was a an amped warm-up DVD, uh, which I think that was the first warm-up product out there because, no, you know, the warm-up's not really a sexy thing to talk about. It's like, it's pretty much the, the, the meatheads either skip the warm-up altogether or you have like the real physical therapist like corrective exercise types that they mm -hmm. feel you know the warm-up should be the entire workout and it's overkill and then you get a whole bunch of people again that are confused and they end up just not doing it you know or it's one extreme or the other so we put this this amped warm-up system together that we didn't you know we just felt like there was a need in the industry we didn't put it together because we thought it was going to make a lot of money or you know sell all over the world we just thought like yeah there's people are it's very polarizing when it comes to warming up let's put some quality information out there show that there is a way that there's kind of that happy medium right in the middle where you could have a six minute quality warm-up or you can go for a half hour uh, and use more you know the warm-up as a recovery type routine and we, we put a warm-up system together. We shared what we were doing. And with, like, no marketing, we just – he put it on his blog. I put it on my blog. And the thing sold, I think – we sold in like 13 different countries and like every wow. state in the, like all 50 states, 13 different countries. Uh, we were, we were shocked at like yeah. how popular it became. And then that just led to a product on strength and then power and then speed. And it kind of just, we, we ran the gamut of like proper programming in order. And then that pretty much became the curriculum for mm -hmm. A certification course, but that's how it all started Joe, with a warm-up DVD. What is the besides preventing injury? Because I think that's obvious for why people would warm up. What are the real reasons why somebody should focus on having a structured warm-up? And what's the difference between just doing a few sets with light weight versus doing something that's more targeted? Yeah, I think that's the, that's a great question. I well, first. It's it's got to be more than just getting sweaty and getting warm. That is, that's one aspect of a proper warm up would be increasing your core temperature and and breaking a sweat. You should always have a sweat cracked before you hit your first set of any movement. But it's not just about warming up. There's there's so many different aspects to the to the warm up and and uh, benefits of the warm up. What a lot of people don't realize is it besides prevent dramatically decreasing your injury potential it will increase your performance. You know, your, your muscles can't perform when they're cold or um, what you, so basically what we do is after, after warming up and just getting the core temperature up, you need to do some kind of soft tissue mobilization. Like we, some people are anti foam rolling. Uh, we feel like everything does have its place. Again, context mm -hmm. matters. And basically you're just trying to 
you're trying to create this window of trainability, whether the the effects of foam rolling last for longer than an hour or not. Who really cares if that could get me to move a little bit better and get into better positions? That's going to enable me to have a better workout. And the more workouts I could stack up where I was in the proper position when I squatted or deadlifted or et cetera, I'm going to eventually start moving and feeling better. So we're not just looking to prevent injury. We're looking to increase performance, but that entails increasing core temperature, mobilizing the soft tissue, activating muscles that are downregulated and weaker. Uh, that's a big part of the warm up, And then you want to rehearse the whatever your first movement is you don't want to just throw 135 on the bar you should rehearse a couple sets of that movement and also excite the cns like that's another big part of our warm-up is always finish we say finish with a sprint a jump or a throw and it it doesn't have to be anything crazy but just something to wake you up fire up the cns and you're going to get so much more out of that first exercise uh most people you'll hear them say Oh, I, I it, it's like towards the end of the workout is where I really start feeling my best. Well, why not feel like that during, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of, of your workout? So, yeah, besides injury prevention, it's also performance in improving performance, longevity. You know, if you're in this for the long haul, you uh, you want to preserve your your body the best you can. And warming up is one of the easiest ways to do that. It's, I, it's crazy listening to him talk about this right now because uh, we wrote a program called Prime. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing that we saw, and our, our our philosophies are so aligned to the point that we in our prime program we have what we call amp sessions. Oh, really? That's yeah, so yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So listening to you talk about it right, right now, now, like fuck, it's, it's a so, trip. Yeah, it is yeah. a trip because it's uh, we saw the same thing. There's not a there was not a lot of people putting a lot of emphasis on and exactly what you said either. You were the physical therapy type or the, your whole routine was all mobility yep. and corrective work and that's all you did or you just skipped the shit all together yes. and nobody was taking the time to what we call priming the yeah. body correctly to get it ready. It's, for it's not only that, it's the uh, the warm up is people consider that general and then they consider the workout to be individualized. But the warm-up should also be individualized. How yes. I would warm up one person mm-hmm. would be different from how I warm up another person, depending on- And also on based off of what exercises all you're that stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Something that you mentioned that really highlights to me sometimes the breakdown between academia and, apl- and application, you mentioned uh, turning on muscles that are down-regulated. And there's been some controversy around that, right? Like, let's say you want your glutes to fire more on a squat and you do you know, a primer like a hip bridge or whatever- and the studies show the glutes aren't getting activated more. When we attach electrodes to the butt muscle, it doesn't get activated more. And it's like, as a trainer, I'll tell you this much right now. It's not necessarily that they're, they're activated more that you can see with the, with the electrodes. It's that the client no knows what to feel. Yes. And now they can move through the squat and feel the glutes more. But you wouldn't know this with a, a study. Exactly. And, and that comes up at the cert. We, we were mentioned, we we're talking about, you know, anterior pelvic tilt versus posterior. And somebody brought that up and just, they said, well, when I, my clients for them, they didn't, they didn't know. We throw these terms around as trainers and coaches, but they, they were saying how their client didn't even know their hips did that. Like they weren't <laughs> aware that it, there's this, you know, anterior tilt, posterior tilt. So when they do, did that and they just had them lay down on the floor and flatten out their low back, kind of posteriorly tilt their pelvis and then relax and have that natural arch and curve in your, in your lumbar spine, just doing a couple reps of that made the client aware. And then they got so much more out of a hip thrust because now they know that movement exists. So again, to your point, 
whether that her glutes were more activated during that hip thrust set, I don't give a shit either. The fact that she now knows what that movement is, she knows how to feel her totally. glutes. Long term, that will be more beneficial. I don't give a shit if a study ever confirms that or not. Yeah. That's how it is. And studies right. typically are terrible, small sample sizes. Who's the ones getting studied? Context it makes a big difference. You know, I, I, I make this argument quite a bit that one of the best investments somebody can make, the average person can make, to help them in terms of increasing their odds of long-term success in fitness is in hiring a personal trainer. I mm -hmm. think it's the best investment. I mean, we spend hundreds of dollars on supplements and you know equipment we don't use or whatever. But a you, good personal trainer. A good that. personal trainer. Yeah. That's right. I was just going to say that. A good personal trainer is an excellent, uh, one of the best investments, if not the best investment you can make. But then I always get this question. Actually, Adam brought it up. How do I know if a trainer's good or not? We get that question all the time. Are there things that you communicate to people that you maybe can share with us? Well, yeah, with some of the things, one of the things we, we already touched on, I think, how you know if a trainer is good or not. One of the first things you could do, ask a lot of questions. And if you don't get a couple of it depends answers, you probably have a <laughs> shitty trainer. If, it's, if every slap answer is, yeah, you're, you're dealing with a slapdick. If every answer is, this is how you do ABC, or it, it, you know, there's no it depends, or they don't answer your question with a follow-up question, that's um, a, a big red flag. Or if they just answer, if they can't answer your question, I, I'm always shocked by how many um, potential clients, uh, when we used to train a lot of high school kids or, and younger kids and their parents would come in, I would always, I would want them to ask us questions because they would just say, well, how are you different? You know, there's a gym down the street that says they do what you do, but they charge $20 less an hour. Like, why should I come to you? And I would say, well, go, go watch one of their sessions. Cause I know they watch all my YouTube videos and they just kind of copy exercises, ask them why they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> Do, like call them out. Oh, why, why are you doing that exercise with my son? Why, why did you start with that? Finish with that? How come the warm up was this long? Hmm. Question them. And if they don't have an answer and if they can't explain it to you in terms that you understand you're in, you're in the wrong gym. And I know I have a reason and purpose for everything. We call it the window and the mirror effect. We start, I'll even share this with, with your audience is we start our certification with this. We and our one of our top trainers, Mark Innes, came up with this. I, I was just telling Justin he's he was out uh, our very first sir, and he, en he he ended up coming to like the next seven in a row, uh, and now he's got a super successful gym. One of our top trainers, but he called it the window and the mirror effect. He said he after he took our sir, he started doing every session as if Smitty and I were peeking through the window watching him. So he was like, I, I wanted to make sure if you guys were looking at me and then you came into my gym and you called me out and said, why are you doing that with her? Why did, why did you do that? Why didn't you do this? I would have a reason and a purpose. And even if I'm feeling tired at the end of the day and it's a long day and that last session comes and I feel like I want to sit down and drag ass a little bit, I pretend like you guys are watching me telling me like treat every session like it's your first session because it's your client's first session. So that that window effect and then the mirror effect is to be able to, you know, convey your message and talk to your client in their language. So then when they do eventually have to go train on their own, they are, 
remember that they are a mirror image of you and your training mm -hmm. techniques. So that, that client represents you. You know, if I, if I meet someone that says, Oh, I trained with Sal for 10 years back, back in the day, like, and then he's doing everything wrong in the gym. I'd be <laughs> like, Oh damn, you know, you know, Sal, Sal might be a fraud, but like, I would expect <laughs> that client to be pretty damn good. And, and we know maybe it's not going to be perfect. Like if we were there, but if you work with someone for a, a number of weeks, years, uh, whatever it may be, they should be, uh, of the mirror image of you. So, uh, I know, I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like that's every good trainer should kind of have that mentality going into a session. I think every good teacher, uh, looks at their students, uh, regardless coach, teacher, parent, you look at your your kid or student as a potential reflection yes. of mm -hmm. you, and there's some response. You have some responsibility, especially if they've been with you uh, for a long time. So I, I completely agree with you. You know, Joe, the, the fitness space uh, it can it can be quite tribal at times, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a camp over here's uh, kettlebells are better than dumbbells over here. You know, free weights are better than machines. Oh no, you should get trained slow. No, you got to train fast. Um, Stop and it gets, squatting and deadlifting. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. So, one right now. yeah. So, what do you, what do you think about that? There seems to be like this, and it's weird that I'm hearing this. This like, you know, squats and deadlifts. You do, you don't need to do them. Uh, they're not as great as everybody says they are. What are your what are your thoughts on that? So even that one, it's it's uh it's and uh yeah, it one of on those. It, it depends because here I'm, I've gotten like, I guess you would call it typecast in the beginning of my career as a strength guy, even though I was working with a lot of athletes and we were incorporating speed training and plyometrics. And I was always into mobility and, uh, you know, warming up properly because I, I was born with some low back issues and I always had to address those things. So I wanted to make sure it, it, I, I didn't have a choice. I was born with a tumor in my sacrum and I've had to deal with a lot of shit because of it. I, if I would always take responsibility and say, if you were born healthy, I'm not going to be the one to make you deal with low back pain or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to contribute it contribute to that. So I'm going to do everything in my power to not only, yes, I'm going to improve your performance, but I'm going to do it in the safest possible manner. We're, we're going to get you better while doing no harm. So with that being said, I always found it funny because you know, squats and trap bar deadlifts were always a huge part of our program, but I could name five NFL players off the top of right off the top of my head without even thinking that I've trained that never, never did a, a deadlift in my gym. And they've trained with me for over 10 years because they didn't like it. They, they had back issues, you know, they just mentally, they had something and with athletes, while I think squats and deadlifts are great exercises, we teach them at our certification as core fundamental movements. No single exercise is the be all end all. I think yes, you should train the hinge pattern. Yes, you should train the you should train the squat pattern. But it doesn't have to be with a barbell on your back or a, you know off the floor with the barbell. It might be a goblet squat. It might be a, a trap bar deadlift. It might be an RDL. Uh, it's it's more about strengthening your body via certain movements. And that's a big part of our cert. We teach fundamental movements, progressions and regressions, but then leave it to the trainer and the coach to pick the specific exercises. The specific exercises aren't as important as the movement patterns and how and where they are programmed over the course of, of a week, a month, a year, mm -hmm. et cetera. Very well said. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the most tribal part of the fitness and health space has got to be diet. 
<laughs> diet's got to be the most you know people get the most heated over Didn't you just do a review and game change yeah, well, I, was, yeah, well, I yeah. was just gonna say so so that, you know, that, that was just that was so ridiculous well oh, joe man. so joe i was gonna say so i've been i haven't been in space as long as you but i've been in it for over 20 years i've never seen i've seen diets be tribal i'm keto paleo low fat low carb people get pissed off I, my diet's better than yours but i've never seen a diet get politicized like the like this this plant based or vegan diet, it's actually getting tied to the climate. It's getting tied to politics. It's becoming a uh, they're using it as a moral compass type of deal. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole deal? It's it's same thing. Like first there there's I to me I, I I'm baffled by how much people give a shit how how other people eat. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm just right. Like I, there's a part of me that cares a lot because I'm in this industry and, and I've got, I got into this industry like we all did because we genuinely enjoy helping people, you know, and, and providing information, but I don't give a shit. Like, however, if you, if you want to be vegan and you say you're healthy and you feel great, like I'm all for it. Like I'm, I'm happy for you, but I have the problem as soon as now you tell me I have to eat that way or she has to eat that way. And if she doesn't, she's stupid. She's done. You know, like it's just, it, it's, it baffles me. Like I, I really have, I'm, I'm it's tyrannical. Yeah. Like I, I almost can't <laughs> comprehend it. Like you really care that much. Like what's why? Um, and even it's just such a waste of time to argue because we could all find, Yes, we could find a vegan who performs well, but you how you could also find a meat eater that performs well and a guy that's eating carnivore and the keto like there's exceptions to every rule there's the clearly different diets could work for different people we're all individual I think it's find the diet that you enjoy that that your your health you know as long as you remain healthy you could sustain it that's that's the diet for you yeah like, you know, you, sustainability is the big one as you totally. guys know it's like i don't i'm so sick of the before and after pictures oh look at my 30-day transformation 60-day transformation I, I always say come back to me in five years if you're still doing that at five years then i'll i'll kind of you'll pique my interest a little more but your 30-day 60-day transformation I, i'm i'm kind of i'm bored by it yeah by so now. so because my biggest issue is this and i saw this happen um a couple times when keto was all the rage and there were everybody was talking about how it was the the best thing since sliced bread and i would get messages from people who'd be like you know i've been on this keto diet for four months and uh you know i'm constipated and i have really low energy like and i'm like listen to your body and the reason why they weren't listening to their bodies because they were fed so much propaganda yep. Well, with this this with this vegan push, the propaganda is so much stronger that I, my fear is going to be a lot of people are going to go that direction. It's not going to be the right diet for them because individual variance is dramatic when you count yes. your you count your your physiology, your microbiome, the emotional connection you have to foods, like your personality. You throw everything in there; it's it's a fingerprint. But now you're going to have a bunch of people who are going to go a particular way because they think it's virtuous and they're going to ignore the signals of the body. Yep. They're going to totally ignore it. That's the thing that I that I get worried the most about. And it's not not to get off track, but it's, I think it's similar as far as just like you, you listening to your body is such an important point that so many people neglect, which is crazy. We, we had a coach this weekend that when we were going over the squat, we taught it a little bit differently than another trainer coach that he learned it from that is a very well-respected coach, but he said, and he just happened to be the, the guy that we picked out to uh, demonstrate the squat. And we, we nitpicked a couple things and we felt like he was 
sitting straight down and and his knees were coming a little too far forward. So we had him kind of hinge a little bit more than he was normally used to doing, which felt uncomfortable for him. But he was like, man, I that was the first time even just like with a barbell that I feel my knees didn't hurt when I was squatting. <laughs> so I was like, but so why, you know, why were you squatting the other way? And then it was, he was, and it's a super smart, intelligent dude, but he was just like, well, that was how, you know, I was taught by, by another coach who, who's a pretty smart dude right. and um, someone that I, I even respect. And he was like, it was just, it was kind of bothering my knees, but I just kept doing it. I feel like this will be way better for me. And I'm just like, yeah, like that's, I don't care. I said, if I, if I recommend something and it hurts or it doesn't feel right to you, by all means, always listen to your body over me, over Smitty, over you guys. Like, I think we would, I'm, I'm not offended at all. If I give you some advice and you go, ah, that bothered me a little bit. I'm going to do it this way instead. That's how, that's how our certification was actually born. It was that happening enough times over the course of 25 years that you you start to you know hear from so many different coaches and trainers that you start accounting for those exceptions to the rule and the individual variances and then that's how our teaching style came about but it just baffles me how many people are like yeah i've been doing it this way for the last year it it hurt but I was taught that way. So I tried to stick through it. Like, and whether that's your diet, your, your squatting technique, you know, whatever it may be, always listen to your body first. Yeah. Such an important point, especially like we see all, you know, the coaches out there having these like different turf wars in terms of like which modality has it like figured out the most. And then the, the person that hurts is the person that like applies <laughs> this and it's not working for them, but they're hell bent on making it work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not having that uh, flexibility, man. That's... You know how many, so like I'm in this industry. So I always hate when I had the two, it was, it was during my very, very early years, but when I had the tumor growing in my sacrum, but I didn't know it was a tumor. It was misdiagnosed for five years. So I, I have this, this severe excruciating pain in my back and nerve pain shooting down my legs. The amount of people who told me like, you know, do you got to do, you have to do reverse hypers that cures every back problem. And I'm like, and I have, I have a reverse hyper in my gym. Think it's a great piece of equipment, but I tried it and it would make the, the nerve pain a million times worse. I didn't go telling everybody that's a bad exercise, but nor did I continue doing it myself because (laughs) Louis Simmons, who I, a guy that I respect, uh, you know, and grew up like reading and listening to just because he said it cured his back problem. I was like, I don't know, man, I got something going on that when I do one rep of this exercise, I'm in severe pain. Five years later, they go, oh yeah, you have a, a tumor growing right in your sacrum. And that's why that movement pattern would aggravate the hell out of that. So if I would have just blindly listened to everyone, uh, you know, it just, it would make no sense. Like there's, that's where individuals matter. You have to listen to your own body. I always feel like the job, the ultimate job of a personal trainer at the end of the day is to teach their client how to listen to the signals of their body and how to train, exercise and eat uh, for their optimal health. Because also here's the other thing that uh, something you need to consider that people need to consider is that uh, what's right for you now is not going to be right for you, maybe not, next year. Yes. And so if you don't learn how – if you you may get the right routine, the right nutrition with your trainer or or from you, – you went online and you researched, and you might figure it out right now, but if you still haven't learned how to listen to your body, when that stops being right, 
you may, and I see this all the time, you may hard-headedly stick to, well, this worked for me before. I'm just going to keep doing this. So, well, actually, now it's not working for you. Yep. Your stress is different. Your life is different. This is not working. So I always felt like that was the job of a trainer was like- Well, this is this is also one of the things that we're, we're battling even with our own marketing team, right? We were just discussing this before Joe got here that, you know, they want things so dumbed down and so simple that we can, you know, sell to everybody. And that's obviously their fucking part of the job for us, right? Uh, and, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, well, you know, one of the things we do really well is, is simplify really complicated things, but we also don't want to treat our our clients and our people like they're stupid and yeah. not educate them and teach them. And so I think that's the, the, the fine line of being a really great trainer is how do you take and, and filter or disseminate some of this information that's really high level uh, for the average person, but then at the same time too, not treating them like they're stupid and just pointing them to do this, do that, right? I think yeah. that's what we're always trying to juggle yeah. ourselves. Because then they just become order takers. And you know, if you want someone to have long-term success, they have to be able to learn how to read these things for themselves. Otherwise, it's always going to be listen to the next person, in which case oftentimes that information uh, you know, may be wrong. Joe, one part of your certification um, talks about performance in the terms of speed and power and that kind of stuff. What is the value, if any, of that kind of information or training for the average person? Like, should the average person worry at all uh, or, or apply any of the things that, you know, that can contribute to them getting faster or more powerful? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I actually started my power presentation with that because it, you, as we, you know, we had close to 50 people at this cert, but I think when I asked how many of you work with athletes, it w there was like five or six only. Right. It was really, it was more of a, you know, general pop trainers that work with general pop. Uh, so I wanted to make sure they knew the power stuff that I'm talking about, you know, where a lot of times I refer to athletes, but this is all stuff that to a lesser degree, this should be incorporated into, you know, your average Joe's training as well, because we actually, our, our ability to display power, I say, you know, power is like the, the ability to, to display your strength quickly, that, that quality we lose faster than any other quality, that, that kind of speed, uh, power, the, the ability to move dynamically. And, you know, as you get older, you slip, you know, we, you think of it more in the context of maybe slipping, falling, or even just something as simple as wanting to play with your kids. You know, when you, when, when they're growing up, you want to be able to go outside and play with them without blowing out your hamstring or an Achilles or something that you got to end up rehabbing for, you know, a, a year. How many, how many people do you know that are like, man, I used to be able to just go out on the basketball court and play. And then I did it this time and I blew out my Achilles. Like, yeah, you're 47 <laughs> instead of 17. Did you Adam Silent yeah, like did that? I feel like that was a fucking shot. dick, dude. Wait, how long ago was that? <laughs> was, uh, we're on, what, uh, year two or three now. Yeah. 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 But so what, he fully but recovered, so, though. So what happened you, to me? Was it actually basketball? Too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. I swear. Pain is the entire picture. But hey, I mean, hey, it's a good, you, we, for the good of the team, you helped prove no, no, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. no, it's, it's actually, it's an incredible point. And you know, shit, when it happened, I was what, I'm 30, it was 35, you know, and I've been, uh, I, w I would consider myself an athlete most of all of my life. And, you know, I probably went on this you know, strength training stint for quite some time and bodybuilding. I was doing that for a while and I wasn't playing sports as much. I was used to always being the guy who even in, in up into 30, I was playing in intramurals all the time. And what happened was I came off of bodybuilding. I came off of my testosterone, decided that I was going to completely quit. 
And I was actually having a really hard time being motivated to go to the gym and work out. So I thought, well, you know, why don't I get back to playing ball? Because that's a love and passion of mine. Yeah. And like an asshole, I went out there and I remember the first day I was like, let me just kind of fill it out. And like smart the first day, you know, warmed up, kind of took my time. And then second day it was just, I felt good, you know, and I was playing, was playing well, making my shots. And just, it was maybe 15 minutes in and it was over. It seemed like nothing. I was just, I, I just made a layup, was sprinting back on defense and that I, I pushed off to go back and there it went. Oh man. Gone. That, that, uh, but then I didn't do any proper training to lead up to that. And that is, was such that I knew right away, like what a dumbass. like that's what I get for thinking I could just jump on the court and yeah. play still. And I didn't put any, I didn't lay any foundation mm -hmm. to be out there doing anything explosive. And it might, my justification of going there was, Oh, it's a pickup game. I'm not going to be going, but I know better. I'm an athlete. I don't have, I don't have different speeds. It's either nothing yes, or all yes. out, right? But I think it's so. It, that's cool that you even share that because, like that, that helps so many people. Because you, as someone who is a professional in this industry, like it's it's not uncommon. You did it. Like right. that's it's it's yeah. very common and, for someone to do that. And you, you made know? a really good point earlier about even if you don't want to, because I'm I'm probably not going to go. Pay, play a pickup game of basketball. I could give a shit. Yeah. I'm not going to go whatever. Oh, but, you know, I've had situations <laughs> I where I remember it wasn't, this was, uh, let me see, my son's 14 now. So it was like 12 years ago where he was at the top of the stairs and he started to stumble. And I just, you know, I grabbed the the the, the railing and, and yanked on it and reached up and jumped up and grabbed him and pulled the entire left side of my body. And I got him. But that wasn't that was a time where I needed to call upon my yes and, and and I was fit I'd worked out I lifted weights it wasn't like I was out of shape but I'd never trained or I never at that point I hadn't trained any kind of speed or power training it was all traditional strength training and then there was a situation where I had to call upon it which I mean you could be walking along the sidewalk and just step off the curb wrong exactly and now you got to call upon it and so you make a very very good point that I I, I know I neglected. Now, what does that look like for the average person? So, yeah, so uh, th here's the thing. It, and it doesn't have to look like one of my NFL guys' workouts. You know, it doesn't have to be the, the a major component of, of your program, but something as simple as you could you could get some of those benefits of dynamic effort or power training right in the warm-up. You know, if, if you you do your soft tissue work, you, whether that's a little foam rolling, you, you know, get a lacrosse ball, mobilize those tissues, do some mobility work, then you activate the, the, the weaker muscles. And then during that CNS activation phase, which we I feel like everyone, regardless of your you know uh, thoughts on warming up, you should finish your warm up with something that excites the CNS, and that could be any kind of a med ball throw variation, a jump variation, a short sprint. You don't have to go running hundred meters. You know maybe uh, you know ten yard sprint or a, a ten yard prowler push, and and just build up. Like mm. same thing. First day you incorporate that. You you don't have to do a hundred box jumps, nor should you. It should, when training for power, it should always be quality and speed over quantity. Mm -hmm. um, because once you start incorporating those type of movements, like a, a box jump or a short sprint or a med ball throw, here's the thing. The, the exercise itself doesn't determine the adaptation. So you could, like a box jump is considered an explosive movement, 
But if you program it like an asshole, like, yeah, like CrossFit, yeah. um, hello, CrossFit, you know, I, I try not Round to bring two. them up, but, you know, and, and, and tell someone to do a hundred box jumps at the end of their workout in the shortest amount of time possible. Put the box now, away, do jumping jacks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now it's, now you're not improving your power potential or you're not developing power. You're just the only, the, the only adaptation, you know, is fatigue. Basically a sloppy box jump isn't going to help you. Like you said, when you have to, you slip off the curb and you have to call upon those fast twitch fibers, those faster movements, that's not going to help you, but quality five sets of three box jumps or, you know, 10 total box jumps at the, at the end of your warm up with a, you know, a couple seconds or you know, 30 seconds rest in between each jump, quality jumps, sprints, med ball throws incorporated and added over time, increase the volume over time, work your way up. That's going to help. I don't yeah, even do that much. Response. I'll give you like a, a, you know, so my squat warm up is, is pretty similar. Every single time I get into it, I have, I do my 90, 90 variations, get my hips all nice and warm. I do my uh, wall test stuff, which is to get my uh, shoulders in a good retracted position. I do my combat stretch to get the soft tissue work going on in my ankle mobility. And then I do two rounds of three explosive jumps. That's it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like that's yeah, that's it's it's depend it's it's again the goal. If you're just using the power movement to excite the CNS and prime yourself for a squat workout, uh, same thing I would say 10 total jumps would be fine. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from five to 10. So two sets of three, three sets of three is perfect. If you want more, like we have some full dynamic effort days with our athletes where we might finish the warm up with an explosive movement, but then run a bunch of sprints or, you know, do a bunch of med ball throws and then finish with some accessory strength work. But again, it, it just, it's dependent on the, the goal and the individual, but bare minimum, I think for your average Joe, they would, they would see tremendous benefits just by twice a week, two, three times a week at the end of your warm up, incorporating some sprints, jumps, yeah. or med ball. Now, throws. I talked to you a little bit about, uh, you know, training professional athletes and, uh, also, like I, I remember we had Corey Schlesinger on another great coach that uh, was talking about risk versus reward. Mm -hmm. And also like with, you know, these power moves and also like, like a power clean or a snatch or these like really sophisticated movements, uh, you know, how valuable do you see those in terms of like training these professional athletes? Or is it something that, you know, you kind of reduce it down to the actual like nuts and bolts of what you should be focusing on? Yeah. I, I, I've had, I, in my 25 years, I've had like two or three athletes uh, incorporate Olympic lifts into our programs. I tend to steer away from them, not because I think they're bad at all. They could be amazing if coached properly, but just again, practical experience taught me that they just take too long for athletes to, mm -hmm. to be yeah, able to, right. you know, handle. They, you got to remember when I'm dealing with athletes, they're playing football or playing baseball, that that is their number one priority. And that takes up a lot of energy reserve, mental capacity. The The weight room is just a thing. A lot of them don't even like to do it. They just know that it's helpful towards their sport. It'll help it, you know, decrease their, their injury potential and improve performance. So it's, they don't look at it like we do. For us, it's a hobby. We love, we, we'd live in the gym if we could. A lot of pro athletes are just doing it because it's part of their job. So you don't have that intense focus, you know, that, that a lot of outsiders think you may have. All 
also with me, I don't have a lot of time. A lot of times in my profession, you know, I, I made a name for myself early helping guys prepare for the NFL combine, which I would get them for six, eight weeks if I was lucky at the end of the college football season. And, and I would need to prepare them for all these events at the NFL combine. And they're coming to me right after the season. Not a single football player ever came to me healthy. Like every mm-hmm. single yeah. one of You're them. You're not teaching a snatch in that amount of time. No, no <laughs> shot. Like I, I got six weeks to get big time results, make a change in this guy's body. Am I going to teach him a snatch or can I have him hold dumbbells and tell him to jump on a box, you know, mm-hmm. or run some sprints or throw a med ball? I, I could I could start making changes in that in that athlete's body day one, get an actual training effect day one, as opposed to, all right, we're going to snatch a broomstick this week and then we're going to do the barbell. I just don't have time. You know, mm-hmm. that that's really the only reason why I don't incorporate them more. What you're saying about speed and power training is really, um, uh, it, you know, a few times on the podcast where I hear something that really turns on a light bulb for me, but it makes perfect sense. It's something I should have under, I should have known. And I, I, I tend to learn this lesson or relearn this lesson over and over again through uh, my own career of, of working out and, and training people. But the old adage, probably the, the most, probably the oldest, uh, most widely known, you know, saying in fitness is you don't use it, you lose it. Yep. Um, and totally true with speed. If you don't train it, I don't, you can do all the strength training in the world. You're going to mm-hmm. lose some of that ability. It's so funny, Joe, this morning, no joke, I swear to God, it's a true story. This morning, I go across the street to Uh-oh. get some water. Yeah. I'm coming back to, to cross, and I'm jaywalking, right? So I'm going, no, there's no <laughs> side, there's no crosswalk. I'm coming back, and a car's coming at me real fast. I sprinted, I'm not exaggerating, from here to the door. That's it. Boom, boom. I was like, oh, shit, my hamstring. <laughs> you know? And I work out my Almost legs. Almost pulled the hand. You know, three, four times a week, you know? And I, no, I was telling true. the guys. Well, I would argue that someone in your in your case is probably almost at more risk than someone who's completely deconditioned because yes. you've trained so much more strength. Power. You have more output yes. when you sprint. Yeah. Yes. But you don't sprint. So it's like, the, well, they're like Olympic sprinters pull hamstrings and muscles way more than your average like fat chubby kid you know running sprints at gym <laughs> yeah. class right because they're they're they their outputs are so low and they're so slow you know they could run 10 40 yard dashes and be fine but have you saint bolt run you know 10 hundred meter dashes back to back like he's gonna pull something it's mm-hmm. just his muscles are so explosive and the outputs are so high you know those contractions are so fast and violent mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how well trained he is that that's just stressful on your that's body. part of why yeah. I think my Achilles win was I had just came off of all this power and strength training yes. and I had done nothing no none of my mobility athletic work at all yep and I think I just and I didn't think it was much. I didn't think I was exploding that hard, but that's just it. It's just you've been training so much that it does not take that yeah. much. And you combine. By the way, that I, with- just, I just I uh, just compared Sal to Usain Bolt. You're <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna go with that. One, <laughs> almost. Joe. I'm almost that fast. That's too much. Yeah. But you, too you, much for his ego. You also came off the testosterone when you did that. Yeah. That, that also yeah, increases your risk contribute. of. Uh, yeah. Of, you no. Know, no. It was it thing. was for sure like the perfect storm, and it's such an asshole move. By me. But like like Joe says, and the reason why share that is like hey i have all this knowledge i know better and i still i still it still happens to me you know so yep. s- stressing that to everybody yep. else how important this yeah. so this joe t- you think for the average person or let's say for someone like me um incorporating you know two or three sets and of course progressing and being appropriate with it but doing two or three sets of some type of speed or explosive type movement um appropriately 
a few days a week probably will yield uh, would probably yield me tremendous benefits. I would imagine a hundred percent. I would I would almost guarantee it. And here's the here's the other hidden benefit. What I feel like nobody ever talks about. If you are just like a meathead, someone someone who listens to this podcast that's more into training for aesthetics, and I think I'm a uh, one of my early podcasts. I might have talked about this, but. Um, like the dynamic, the dynamic effort method for hypertrophy. Most people just think it's exclusive to athletes. Right. Like at Westside Barbell, Louis Simmons really popularized, you know, doing like 10 sets of two reps in the squat with 50% of your max and just working on that speed or eight sets of three with a barbell bench press with, with 50, 60% of your max. If you're, if even if hypertrophy is your only goal, incorporating that type of training, if you did something like that, cause I've done it, if you normally start your, say you start a, an upper body workout or a chest workout with a barbell bench press, if you started with six sets of three dynamic effort benches, so if you could bench 300 pounds, put 150, 165 on the bar, warm up first, obviously go through your warm up, but then do three reps as fast as you can and anywhere from five to eight sets, you take about 30 seconds rest in between each set then rest a minute or two and then go into whatever your normal hypertrophy uh, bench press sets were. Guarantee you will either, you'll you'll lift heavier and or more reps than you would normally lift with a given weight. It's almost, almost guaranteed. What's so you could actually that? put on more, um, you know, pack on some more muscle by incorporating some I, dynamic I would agree. And it, what do they call it? Is that post-activation potentiation? Post-activation potentiation. Yeah, uh, and that's PAP, a proven so, thing. Yes, yeah. 100%. 100% proven thing. But normally, when they talk about the, the PAP, it's more doing something heavier yeah. and then lighter. So like a heavy squat and then pair that with a vertical jump, yeah. an unresisted vertical jump. But you get that same type of effect by doing something dynamic because your, your CNS, you want it, you want it to mimic the the movement though that you're going to do yep. so if you were going to squat I would do I would do some jump training first if you were going to do a barbell bench press I'd do some dynamic effort barbell benching with just lighter weights and if you had bands like um uh, the the most I ever I always wanted to bench 225 for 30 I was never a big endurance guy and that's a that's a combine test even though it's a bullshit combine test it's uh, one one of the things they have to do but the I've done it twice in my life and both times is when I warmed up with dynamic effort, mm -hmm. uh, benching first with bands. I, I love you because uh, when we a while ago when we talked about how to incorporate an explosive movement with a traditional kind of grinding strength movement, that's exactly how we communicated it. Do it, do the explosive movement first, mm -hmm. and then we actually had some pushback because people would say, "No, no, no, PAP yeah, like reverse. Yes. is a reverse." And we said, "Actually, you know, we've noticed a, a benefit." Yeah, they yeah, both. Exactly they both. It. I know that's another. It's another dumb thing people argue. Do you do the heavy lift first <laughs> and then the unresisted movement yeah. or the dynamic? Dynamic lift first, or the dynamic movement, and then the both heavy have movement. their benefits. They both work. Yeah, I've yeah. done them both. Yeah, they, they both, both have work. their benefits yeah. for sure. And do I, you apply that in the the combine? Like, if you have your athlete going there, do do they do like some kind of PAP beforehand? Yeah, because here's the the, the combines like it's like set up for the athletes not to do good. Like you guys, they 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 keep these guys up for interviews. They'll they'll interview with teams until two. 2.30 in the morning, and then they wake them up at 5, no breakfast. They have they have to go through a full-body MRI. Even if you don't have any injuries, you got to lay in an MRI machine, and they take MRIs of your shoulders, your low back, so to make sure you're not lying about any previous injuries. So imagine, you know, no sleep, 
Then you got to go lay in a, you sit in a doctor's office for an hour. Then you're in an MRI machine for an hour. Then they take you right to the barbell bench press. And this is after, you know, performing the previous day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to do the 225 bench test. And the last couple of years I worked with guys, they just had one warm up bench set up with 135. So I tried to figure out a way to hack that because I always, the trick we initially used was work up to 315 for one or two and then go back down for your 225 test. Um, you know, just low reps working up higher to get that, that post-activation potentiation effect. But then they, they only allow 135 warm up. So instead of having the, my guys go up there and just do what you, you'll see what most of the, the athletes, they go up, they do 135 for 10, and then they go do their 225 bench test. I told my guys, just jump in every other guy, do a set of three as fast as you can, then let the other guy mm-hmm. go jump in three, jump in. So do dynamic effort as fast, try to, if pretend like there's 500 pounds on the bar and just do three rep sets, get your nervous system all jacked up. And then 225 won't feel so heavy after going from, you know, 135. And uh, I, I had the, the like Brian Cushing, we've had guys that had the best bench at the NFL combine a number of years uh, using that technique. You were, so, you were with Brian? Yeah, yeah, I've been working with Brian since he's 14. Oh, fuck. Uh, what a long sav- time savage. friend. Client. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's one of my one of my best friends. Uh, he's a he's a strength assistant strength coach with the Texans now. Oh, he I didn't retired know that. last year and now he's in it's cool cuz now he's in this industry. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, he was like I, I I a lot of the trainers were asking me yesterday like, you know, how do you break in and and you know, how do how do you get your first client and Brian's a great example because I when I first started, I trained three kids from Bergen Catholic High School, which was my old high school, which Brian went to my high school. Obviously, he's a lot younger than me. But when nobody knows who you are, like I was like, listen, you have to go out there and do shit. You're, people aren't going to pay you before they know who you are. You have no reputation, you know, no experience. So you're going to have to do stuff for free in the beginning. I trained a bunch of kids from Bergen Catholic for free. They all transformed, you know, kind of did great with me, started telling all their friends. Then, it, you know, they happened to be friends with Brian. He came in one day, loved it. And I ended up training him from his sophomore year in high school through a nine-year NFL career. So wow. tell me, when you see, when you see someone like Brian, because he's a, a freakish athlete, can, can, do you know right away? Can you tell? Right. Yeah, him I did. Him I did. But he he uh you know at 15 you could tell he was a freak but then he also you know grew like 3 4 inches from you know his sophomore year in high school to junior year and then you're like oh wow this dude is like like a lot of it his work ethic is was is was unlike anyone I've ever trained to complete savage in in the weight room and training and meticulous with his nutrition like he was very into everything uh, but also there the that genetic component where like he he just he was like a, a little safety his sophomore year in high school and then he grew four inches and he became the number one ranked linebacker in the country as a as a high school junior and senior what, so. was was it you then who so do, I don't know if you guys know this or not but uh I believe he was the first ever to do this I at least I remember the first I've watched almost every NFL draft and I remember they highlighted this when he was drafted uh jumping out of the pool was he oh, the, no, the, he um who someone else did that did someone uh, do that before him yeah, because and we I I put a viral video up of him doing a at two hundred and fifty pounds. He did a sixty four inch jumped hurdle over, hop. Over, over the hurdle. Yes, yes, that was my gym. That was my. Oh gym. shit! That's yeah. I remember yeah. watching yeah. that video. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, that's my gym. Um, 
That was but, yeah, the big that, highlight that, of the draft. I remember that. That was his big, that was like a big viral video. Someone else did the pool jump that I can't, I remember it, but I can't remember who it was. But Brian was the hurdle. The oh, hurdle. yeah. I remember it was crazy. Yeah. It was, it was, that was what, it was six, it was something ridiculous. 64 inches. Ooh, one, oh step, one step, one uh, step at 250 pounds, which makes it, you know, more impressive. That doesn't make any sense. But, no. How, how, you know, because you have access to, or you've worked with, I should say, some of the highest performing athletes and, you know, uh, in, in various sports, maybe you can explain the difference uh, that genetics plays. And I know training and nutrition plays a big difference, but, you know, we'll get questions where people will be like, well, you know, if I trained real hard and took all the steroids, would I be able to be Mr. <laughs> Olympia or would I be able to, like how, like how, it's almost like there's different species of humans yes, almost. Yeah. I, I, I've had a lot of tough conversations with parents, <laughs> trust me, that, you know, bring in little Johnny and say like, he's going to be the next Michael Jordan or the, or the next Brian Cushing at my facility. And he, it's, and I am all for, you know, don't take no for an answer, you know, work hard, don't give a shit what other people think. But when it comes to professional sports, there there are and there's there's always a, a couple exceptions to the rule. But it's funny, even some of those exceptions that they'll say like, oh, this guy's really small. He's undersized for the NFL. There's usually something more to it. Like if it's if he's short. If you see the dude in person, he's probably one of the most jacked guys you've ever seen. You know, <laughs> right. like there's always something that, and, and that's a great way to put it. They're just a different. It's it's just like yeah, a different freaking species of of human. Like like the NFL linemen, their joints are bigger, their hands are bigger. You know, mm -hmm. I would have kids come in and be like, "Oh, uh, Dave Deal plays for the Giants. He I could bench more than him," but I'm like. Yeah, all right. That's one thing you can do better than him. <laughs> He's six foot seven, three hundred fifteen pounds. Like, and you might bench more than him, but if he literally touches you, he will launch you across the room <laughs> with his leverage and his skill. Um, so, yeah, like genetics are uh, the the one thing that none of us could could teach. You know, none of us can improve upon. Uh, we we haven't figured out a way yet. Uh, and that that does play a huge part because I've give China with, some time. There, yeah. there Christmas, yeah. Christmas, yeah. Christmas yeah. on its way. I've worked with you know I've worked with some uh, so, uh, man more than I could even uh, mention or remember. But like kids that worked their asses off, worked way harder than any pro athlete I trained, but they still didn't make it. You know, mm -hmm. like and it's and you you want to see them make it, but they just they're like normal humans like us, and they they just don't have that. Uh, that genetic factor, which is a real thing. I remember what I used to do uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I did it for a while. And then I remember this new guy came in and he was 320 pounds, six foot four, big dude. And he was a pro Canadian uh, pro football player. So he played for the Canadian leagues or whatever. And I remember this big dude knew no jiu-jitsu, knew nothing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. All he did was play football. This guy was doing cartwheels and yeah. fucking flips. And then at one point we, you know, we, we were laughing about how athletic this guy was. We went out to the parking lot, and I, I to watch a three hundred and something pound man run faster than anybody you've ever seen <laughs> run before in person. No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Justin was there when mm -hmm. we we closed down the the Santa Teresa oh, Cottle Gym, and that at that time, game. yeah, that was back when uh, Isaac Sapawaga was playing for the mm -hmm. Niners. Uh, who else was there? Um, Manny Lawson. Yeah, Manny Lawson. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember all this, but they, they had five guys, and I think only two of them were starters that came down. I had to cover and, Isaac. That yeah, was bullshit. Yeah, I had Manny Lawson right, <laughs> who caught an alley oop over the top of my head and dunked it on me. Yeah. But you watch these. <laughs> the part that was crazy about where they were, they were, there were five football players, and I, being a basketball player, you can just you could see the way someone plays if if that's their sport or not. 
And you, I could tell that this they wasn't don't play their, basketball. Yeah, they don't yeah. play their basketball. It wasn't pretty, but they were so fucking athletic yes. that they just destroyed us. Yeah. And I remember watching a lineman, uh, you know, that was three hundred something pounds, sprint up the court faster than me, catch the ball, and then go up and dunk it, and just being like, <laughs> yeah. "Holy shit, this is crazy!" And then to me. shoot a three from half court yeah. and make it. Just, they're just, yeah. they're just playing with us. So, yeah. Joe, do you yeah. uh, are you because you train so many professional athletes and you're around that? Are you the type of trainer? Who, because of that, you're kind of like, ah, oh, you don't really watch too much sports, or are you just as fascinated? Are you like a hardcore football fan? Are you watching sports like crazy and into who's 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 what? It, yeah, I think the biggest difference once I got into the industry was more I I would watch the players, not so much the game. Like I'm not watching the game hoping. Um, you know the Giants win or lose as much as I'm rooting for the players on the team that um that um uh, guys that I've that I've trained and that was the biggest difference for me. It's weird. I grew up ten minutes from Giant Stadium and uh, but I grew up a Redskin fan. I for whatever reason they were good when I was young and I just got really into them and I was a diehard Redskin fan. But then when I had my little storage closet gym, I I had one guy from the Giants come and then it was two and next thing you know at one point I had like eleven or twelve guys from the New York Giants training in my little storage closet gym. And that's, you know, it was just weird because I went to watch a giant Redskin <laughs> game and I'm like, how do I root for the yeah. Redskins? Like <laughs> I train the New York what? Giants. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that was, that's like 2003, the shift was mm -hmm. made of now I just watch and see how my individual guys do. When you see like the, like I've, I mean, I've been watching sports since I was a young kid and it, it, it fascinates me how much, the evolution just in like two decades has been like watching these athletes. I mean, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you saw the highlight of Tyree kill from last week. He was like behind, you know, maybe 10, 15 yards behind somebody who picked the ball up and was running the opposite direction, caught up. And yes. It was clocked at like 25. Freaky. Yes. That's fucking insane. To yeah. Me. It, it's, it's insane. Um, and that's why I think one of the most annoying things since I st got into this industry, training more pro athletes, and I don't like going to the game. I'd rather just watch from home is like hearing the people in the stands yell like you suck or I, it's like <laughs> yeah. you have no, no idea. freaking idea how, <laughs> how much more you suck than the players on yeah, that yeah. field. Yeah. Like I don't care if the worst performance ever by a quarterback or, you know, the third string quarterback comes in and everybody's yelling that he sucks. And it's like that kid was probably all American in high school, the best athlete you've yeah. ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, you're up here drinking a beer and eating a hot dog. Like, you're the one who sucks. It's like when, yeah. I, when I go to when I would go to UFC fights and I hear him in the crowd. Oh you know, yeah, that just throw a punch. Yeah, just hit him. What are you just doing? get up. Oh, Don't yeah. there. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. all he's got to do. He's just got to hit him, right? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, what's what's your favorite part of what you do? You've worked with athletes. You've certified, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of trainers now. You you know, what is your favorite part of what you do today? I think seeing kind of living vicariously through those trainers, like I mentioned the, you know, trainers that took our original certification course seven, eight years ago that were working at other, like the second or third trainer at a, you know, a, a commercial gym. And now that they, they own their, they own three facilities of their own. And I mean, we, we have, we have a couple screenshots on our, our CPPS website of one of our coaches that took a picture of his first gym and he said, Hey, uh, open this gym after, um, it, it was a picture of his gym and it said after taking CPPS level one and he had, he had started his own business, opened his own gym. And then there's this picture of this beautiful house. And I was like, what the hell is that? And he said, uh, after taking CPPS level two, 
uh, finally bought my own house. Wow. And I was like, like that, I, I still get goosebumps even just saying that. Um, those type of success stories, it used to just be the Brian Cushings of the world, a, a high school kid that I trained, and then you watch him play in the college, and then you watch him get drafted to the NFL and make $50 million, and it's like, wow, I, I had not taken credit at all, but like some little, little, small, small you know, piece in the background. I, I kind of helped that kid a- achieve his his dreams and, and help change his life a little bit, and now we're able to do that with the CERT. Um, so whether it's, it's a client that I train or a, a coach or a trainer that we help kind of fulfill their dreams. That's, that's the rush that, that I get. Uh, and now that I've been in it longer, the really cool thing for me is these guys that are, you know, making, make, they might not be multimillionaires, but like super successful and happy with, with a, a, a 1000 square foot, like garage or warehouse gym that they're, but they they have a hundred clients and they're training them. And the amount of people that have come to me and said, dude, I didn't know it was possible to make a living like in a garage or a warehouse until I discovered your YouTube videos. When I was 12 years old, I remember watching you training all these pro guys in this dungeon of a gym thinking, holy shit, that's, I didn't know that was a thing. Like I I could do that. And now they're like adults with kids that are you know, making a living, doing something they love, like to me, I you can't you can't beat that. Well, we we firmly believe that the, that trainers and coaches are the they're the backbone, the real backbone of the fitness space. They're the ones that are we call them the soldiers. They're they're yep. the ones on the front line, actually really doing uh, the the real changes, really helping people in real long term ways. So we really appreciate. Uh, what you've done for as long as you've done it, you know. I know you've helped us. You know, we, we knew of you yep. before we ever started Mind Pump, and you're continuing to help people out and do the right thing. So we appreciate you, Joe. Thank yeah, you. Man, we appreciate man. you. Thank you for letting us hold the cert here, man. That it was one of our best classes of the year, and uh, we owe it to you it's, guys. It's available, and you let us know if you want to do another one down here. Yeah. We'd love to. Yeah, have I think you we're going to take you up on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.